0: Hi it's Chris Watkin here and I'm joined by letting agent extraordinaire Sam Watterson who works in Leeds in West Yorkshire Uh, and he has an extremely interesting story about how he set up a lettings agency, how it all went belly up and then he came back Phoenix like Um, we're going to talk about all the lessons that he's learnt so you've got boys and girls out there in estate and letting agency and can learn from his mistakes but also learn from his triumphs as well. Sam thanks for joining me today. Thanks Chris thanks for having me on. No worries we've known each other for a good uh, eight years seven or eight years and I've seen you on your journey. Uh, what I want to do is find out what the hell you decided to get into property and estate lettings and estate agency. Mm-hmm. so you were born in 1980 yep. so you're just over 41 42 years old yep 41 there you go you don't look it, mate. <laughs> um, did you want to be in the property game when you were at school
1: the honest answer is no um, I always had a flair for business and entrepreneurship I was the sort of the kid that sold the, the sweets on the school bus to make a few you know a few coins and I always had an interest in money
0: where did that where did that come from your parents just just instinct
1: My, my neither of my parents are business minded or entrepreneurial it was just an instinct really that was in me that I was interested in money I've always been more um numerate than literate at school did really well at maths wasn't so interested in English so I always had a burning desire to to get into business or to have my own business um and I think that was cemented when I went to college um after my GCSEs and did business studies a level so academically I always struggled with typical subjects, because they, they struggled to hold my attention. But then when I did business studies, it was almost like the teacher was telling me things I already knew, and it just seemed like common sense. So I think at that point, I realised that I probably had um, a, a natural ability for me- business, and the mechanics of business, and what made them work. For years, I thought about what business I was going to set up. I had all these crazy ideas. I... Cause you, did you,
0: you must have left college at 18.
1: So I went from Nottingham College to Leeds University. Okay. To do a degree in business, so I did business and IT, um, which was how businesses apply IT to make them better. Which, as you go through my journey, you'll see that that's flowed all the way through and put me where I am today. Um, so I had loads of loads of crazy ideas, but I'd never really had anything that jumped out at me as something I wanted to go into business with and throw myself into. So did you? Is that a three-year course or a four-year course? At did th- least? I did three years. Okay. Studies
0: and what did you do as soon as you came out of Leeds University? So
1: when I finished uni I worked in bars, um, nightclubs, also did promotions, so I did a lot of agency work, worked um, self-employed and did that for a few years. I then went uh, to work into more formal sales, got a job with rent as a sales rep, um, did that for about six months I think it was um, and in that, at that same time I teamed up with a guy to buy a house so, you know, everyone was sort of getting their first jobs, getting some money and getting on the property ladder. So we bought a house that needed work. And then in our evenings and weekends, we did all the refurb and then moved into the house. Um, and that was kind of when the penny dropped that you could buy a house, add value to it and then realise that value.
0: When you were working for rent to and other self-employed roles, was that need to want to run your own business still there but you just didn't find a home for it
1: yeah I think it was it was always there but it was just the idea wasn't so the desire was there and as a young man in my early 20s I knew the time wasn't right but I always knew that's what I wanted to do Um, so I bought so what we did with that first house is after six months we refinanced it and we'd increased the value by 20,000 and we spent seven on it so I thought if we can increase the value of a house by 10,000 just part-time what could we do more more often, so I bought another another house with a with a friend that we went to that as a buy to let, and that's when I made the decision to leave employment at that point and do property full time. What year was that? Um, 2006. Okay. Um. So between 2006 and 2007, I bought another three properties. Okay. Um just did them up, rented them out and that's what I wanted to do full-time.
0: You wanted to be a full-time landlord?
1: I wanted to be a full-time property developer so the idea was buy the house, add value, refinance it, move on to the next one and then what happened when I was on property number five, I was midway through the refurb and this was the start of 2008, so everyone who knows what happened in 2008, uh, the credit crunch, and I just remember hearing on the radio about how mortgages had dried up, so what I would have planned to do is after six months refinance onto a different mortgage and then pay off the refill costs. What actually happened was I couldn't do that. So I went back into employment, back into sales, um, which is um, where I was at 2008. And what I found was for two and a half years, I worked for a number of different um, sort of business to business uh, companies doing field sales. The most recent was a property services company um, called VPS. And they were a clean and clear company, so our clients were social uh, housing providers, uh, housing associations. Did
0: you still have your properties, the other properties?
1: Yes. So for two and a half years, I worked as a full-time sales rep while managing five properties that I rented out. And it was such a nightmare dealing with tenants, dealing with, not dealing with tenants as in personally just, you finish a long day at work and there's a, a leaking toilet or someone's moving out, you need to do viewings. And I just found it was very, very sort of hard to do while managing a full-time job. And it kind of made me realise that as a letting agent, although you can do the job yourself as a landlord, if you've got a full-time job, you would probably really appreciate.
0: Do you think by being a landlord yourself, it made you appreciate what a landlord goes through and why they do need a letting agent? Yeah,
1: 100%, you know, 100%. Um, And I think what happened with me was I was doing all the repairs myself, I was doing everything, basically. And I was good at it, don't get me wrong, you know. I rented out my first house quite easy and I had a knack for it. And I was really good at the sales side, so advertising the properties, the inquiries, doing the viewings. But what I wasn't so good at or didn't enjoy was the hands-on maintenance. So the, the way my business started really was I met a guy in the local area who was a handyman. And I said, right, I want you to do all my repairs so because you'll do them better than me. And I don't enjoy it. And what, what I had was I was paying him two, £300 a month to do all the repairs. And then I, I felt guilty because I was like, right, well, if you're paying someone to do something you don't want to do, why don't you get people to pay you to do something you're good at, i.e. finding the tenants? Um, so I started a house share tenant finding business.
0: This is why you're still employed.
1: This is why I'm still employed, yeah. So I've just told a few people that I knew who were landlords, look, if you need any tenants finding, I'll do it, 100 quid a room, as a way to sort of supplement the money I was spending on the repairs. And that's kind of my first steps into being a letting agent while I was still working full
0: time. So this was about 09, 10, around there?
1: Yeah, around about 2009, I'd started this okay. business. And a friend of mine, actually, I'd never thought about setting up a letting agent as a, a proper business, um, but a friend of mine who was a landlord, I had a property that he was halfway through putting in a new bathroom and then he was going to put tenants in. But he actually went travelling for four months. So he just came to me and says, look, I've got the house. I'll go away next week. Can you put a bathroom in it for me, decorate it, put the tenants in and look after it for four months until I get back? So then I became a managing agent and I did that and I realised that actually I really enjoyed that. And I could see that as being a business that I could get into. And I kind of called on a piece of advice that I'd heard from someone when I worked in in bars, which was, you know, don't try and invent the new wheel. Just do something that is done, but do it better than everybody mm-hmm. else. Um, so that's when I sort of said, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a letting agent. And did you ditch the job in straight
0: away, or did
1: you kind of transition through? So the plan was I got a business partner, and he was going gonna to finance everything, and that gave me the confidence to to know that I could quit my job and so we'd agreed in the January that I was going to work another six months get another two quarters worth of commission payments behind me and continue the pro progress part-time and then at the end of June 2010 is when I handed in my notice and that was the last time I
0: how did you go about choosing a business partner
1: it was a friend who was all, also already running a business so he was running um, the family business with his dad so he had experience um, and he just said, look, I'll you know, give you a bit of money to do it. What actually happened was uh, I quit my job at the end of June. I was already making enough money to cover the salary that I'd lost out on, and I had the momentum. He, he got busy with other things and decided he didn't want to be involved, so I gave him his money back and carried on on my own. So I never needed him. I never really needed the money. Um, but what I'd done was I'd had the confidence to take that step, Okay. to being self-employed, thinking I had the support behind me. In, in reality, when I had a full day and a full week and a full month of time just to spend on my own business as opposed to trying to do it evenings and weekends, you know, it was able to, to flourish. And so January, July, sorry, July 2010, just before my 30th birthday, was when I became a full-time property professional. Scared? <coughs> then, um, if I did that now... With two kids and a relationship, and being a bit older and wiser would probably be quite daunting. But back then it was a case of, right, I've now got 30 days to earn the money that I need to to pay my mortgage and pay my bills this month. And then the start of the next month, it was the same and the same and the same. Did it get any easier? Um, Yeah, and no. I think the first thing that I realised was, and it took me three years to realise this, was how seasonal the industry is. So at first it was busy and then it went really quiet and then it started getting busy again. So it was hard during the periods when it was quiet, but that was November, December, January. And what I realised looking back was the peaks and the troughs that we we have in in rentals. Um, So once I understood that you'd have your quiet periods and your busy periods and knew how to prepare. But I was quite a, what's the word, brave, courageous, reckless young man. So for me it was quite exciting waking up in the morning thinking I don't have a boss but I need to earn a living. So I would paint student houses, I would do all sorts. I worked for a lot of agencies in Leeds as a subcontractor. So a lot of the big student agencies in student season, because of the sort of um, peaks and troughs with their own business, they can't have staff all year round. So they'd bring me in on a temporary basis and fill my diary full of viewings and pay me per let. So there was lots of different ways for me to, to earn a living in the early days.
0: So the business was going quite well in the early teens, 2010, 11, 12, 13. <coughs> uh, I think the name of the firm was, was it Morrison Watts at the time? Yes,
1: yeah, so the business was originally Morrison Watts. Um, from 2010 to 2016, it grew pretty pretty rapidly.
0: Okay, but then so it awful happened and you had to sell the business.
1: So what happened was I never really had a plan or a direction It just kind of, the business just took itself, however it went. Um, We ended up becoming a student letting agency, where where we just had a lot of student landlords, a lot of student properties. um, Not by design, just through people we were meeting and where we were located. Um, And I wasn't enjoying it. So because I wasn't enjoying it, I wasn't happy inside. I was making a lot of decisions for the wrong reasons. So I was making a lot of bad decisions. I made a lot of good decisions um along the way. But the bad decisions sometimes are the ones that weigh you down. And we got through to 2015, 16, and we you know, our growth was like rapid. So we were continually having to expand the business, investing in overheads, taking on staff, etc. And I think I was a good salesman and I've always been good at sales, but then I realised then that I probably wasn't a very good manager or a leader or a business owner. Okay. And we system shit. Then <clears throat> um, we we invested in some better systems, but I spent a lot of time, you know, looking into software, creating a solution for a problem. Because you're an IT man from university. Yeah, and it's and what we've got now is really good systems. And what we had then was new systems all the time. So every time we implemented a new system, we were kind of sweeping up from a failure in the previous system. So it wasn't as easy just going here's a new system, problem solved. You still had the, the sort of mess yeah. that it, that. That had
0: been created previously, so you ended up having a successful business which was growing almost exponentially, turned into a lettings, a student lettings business. which yes. meant the cash. You were doing all the work at one end of the year and not getting paid to the other end. Exactly. So we were top
1: loaded. So November, December, we were putting in all our effort, all our expenses, um, you know, all our investment in marketing, and everything we let then wasn't moving in until the summer. So we were on this like nine, ten month cash flow lag because with the overheads are always up front, and then the income that you generate from growing your business sort of comes along six, 12 months later, um, it just, the business couldn't support itself. Um, and so towards the back end of 2016, I sold the
0: portfolio. How did it make you feel that this baby that you've <coughs> grown you had to sell because you kind of loved the front end, but the back end was... One thing I learned was when you
1: scale you scale two things you scale your problems and you scale your successes so if you've got a lot of problems and you get bigger you just have bigger problems and that's what we had we just had a lack of sort of structure and systems that would enable us to scale so we were almost scaling on weak foundations as opposed to
0: and was it still, your, your, was there anyone else involved in the business in terms of owning the business? Was it all on your shoulders?
1: So I'd set the business up, it was just me. And for the first year and a half, I worked at home from a spare bedroom. And then I took on a first member of staff. So throughout the first sort of five, six years of my journey, I did everything on my own, very isolated, very lonely. Didn't have anyone to bounce any ideas off. Um, and I think it was the sort of structure in the industry that we have now with the Facebook groups and the community wasn't as prevalent then and I didn't really reach out to people who were doing the same job you know now I have loads of contacts and friends who are business owners and letting agents all over the country and we support each other whereas then I almost saw people's competition and so I kind of carried the burdens myself um so when it came to decision making I didn't really have anyone to bounce Mm -hmm. those off
0: do you think through the power of these Facebook groups that you that things are better now because you can swap ideas and
1: For me personally, I let go of the notion that people were the competition or the enemy. What, even if they're in a city 20 miles, 40 miles away? I I, I used to, I didn't really get involved um, with it, to be honest. So it was only when I set up the new business that I joined the groups and I started engaging and I started getting to know people and I started to realise the value of the community. I started meeting with other business owners in my area and realised that they weren't the competition that they're Potential. Are we talking about
0: other business owners, other letting agents? Yeah,
1: other letting agents. People who I used to see as being competition.
0: So not only are you talking to letting agents from around the UK, you're actually building relationships up with what is genuinely your competition.
1: Yeah, yeah. Be- because I feel so strongly about this, I set up a small network of people a few years ago where we just had a WhatsApp group of business owners just to touch
0: base. Is that just letting agents? This was just letting agents, business owners. in In Leeds? Yorkshire. Yorkshire. Yeah. So you've set up a a WhatsApp group for letting it business owners who are letting agents yep. in Yorkshire.
1: Yeah, and it's nothing major. It's just something where if anyone's got any questions or they want some support, they can just jump in and ask a question, because I realised the value of leaning on other people in, in, in you know, in the same position as you. And has that changed your life? Um, what changed my life really was at the end of two thousand and sixteen. Um, it, it was funny because I was selling the business. I had a manager who was running it, and I was trying to sort of be the the business owner. Um, not getting too involved in the day-to-day. And so I'd agreed a sale with someone, and then the person who was managing it left to take another job. So for two, three months while the sale was going through, I had to go back in and run the business. And what I found was I was that we had dupics, and we had this system. We'd had it for about six or seven months. So I started doing all the day-to-day tasks I hadn't done, and I was like, oh, why have they not done it like this? Why haven't they done it like that? And then I realized that just using the systems all wrong and just doing everything wrong and that actually there was a better way of doing it or an easier way. And I kind of almost fell back in love with the job then and fell back in love with my ability at the job. So I was going through this process of selling the business to somebody else and ending up with nothing, but then realising that I was
0: actually a really,
1: really good agent. So that
0: person that actually <coughs> left you, because obviously when, when you're selling the business, yeah. people tend to go, yeah. they actually made you fall in love back with being a letting
1: agent. So it's strange. It's almost like as the plane's crashing in flames... I'm realizing that I love this. So I was like, I'm gonna sell the business and I'm done. But then I realized actually really good at this. Maybe you should have been more involved instead of relying on other people and you should set up better systems. You should call upon your experience from you know your university days. And and we just started using Goodlord as well, another industry supplier. So, you know, we'd only in the last six months start using DuPix and start using Goodlord and, and all these brilliant tools that make life so much easier. Um, so at the end of <coughs> 2016, um, start of 2017, I sat down with someone who was had just started working with me that year to do the estate agency side of the business and we had a very frank conversation. We sat in Morrison's cafe and I was like, am I ready to write a CV and look for another job? Is that me? Is that my path? And I says, no, nah. you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. and." I went back to, it was like a mental list, all the things that I'd done wrong and all the things that I'd done right. And it was like, if you start again from scratch and you just do all the things that you did right and you don't do all the things you did wrong, what results do you think you'll get?
0: It's quite a superpower to be self-aware of, of those issues. Mm-hmm. And by almost failing, you, you've, you know, because now you're flying. Yeah. What advice would you give to agents who are feeling a bit overwhelmed and, and drowning? I think sometimes you drown because you try
1: and do too much. You try and say yes to too many people. You know, like we offer what I would say is very good customer service. And we offer very good customer service because when people want something doing, it gets done. Not because we're always on the end of the phone, not because we respond to emails instantly, but because the things that they need doing get done. So if my landlord's email me, I might not email them back. I might send it on to a colleague to deal with, but it'll get done. But but they then don't have the reliance on me to do it. They get used to dealing with somebody else and then they take me out of the equation. One thing that I've observed, observed from other people in the industry is you'll have a very good local independent letting agency, purely and simply because the business owner is trying to do everything. And that only works to a certain point, but they're not an octopus. And that's the saying I was use. Like, I'm not an octopus, I've got two hands, two arms, can't do everything. And then they start to not enjoy it. And you see a lot of them sell because mm-hmm. they get to a certain point. They don't want to give it away to staff. They don't want to put systems in place for communication, really. Um, so I think if you're struggling, look at your systems, look at your efficiencies, look at your setup. What can you do to become more um, you know just time efficient so you can spend okay. your time doing the things that are more important than than the admin because it is a, an admin heavy it is,
0: isn't it heavy job because yeah. a lot of letting agents are they're perfectionists <coughs> aren't they they think someone else can't do the job as well as they can yeah and it's just about being organized
1: you know i'll give you one example so i've set up a system now where when we sign up a landlord they fill in a form through our website which gives us their first name mobile number, email address all the information we need they upload their ID, they upload all their documents, and it goes into one place. So we, don't, we never have a situation where we're going, oh, where's the landlord's passport? You know, ringing them up, emailing, can you send us a copy of your passport? We can't find it, because it's on what I call the source of truth. And from an admin point of view, the landlord fills it in, they do the admin, we don't. So our admin staff don't have to spend any time doing that. All we then do is transfer those documents into.
0: The relevant place so now 2021 um 22 you i've got a fantastic letting agency in leeds um you're not just a letting agent you source properties you attract yep. landlords you almost do a one-stop shop for for for, for landlords yeah um what's the future for, for sun um it's probably worth me just looping back
1: to the beginning a little bit and seeing showing how they'll sort of explain how That's influenced where we are today. Mm. So originally I I bought the house, did the refurb, me personally, and then rented it out. So I always had a real love for the refurb side of things. You know, I I get such a kick out of taking a a tired house, making it into a really nice family home and people moving in and wearing it. So I was always interested in the refurbs. And then over the years, I'd done a few refurbs with people just as, as we were going. And a couple of times people said, look, you know, I'm trying to buy a house, I don't really know what I'm doing. And I've said, look, give me a couple of, couple of grand, I'll find you one. So I always liked the sourcing model. I like the idea that instead of trying to find a landlord who's looking for a letting agent, if you can get them before they've even bought the house, you've got more chance of becoming the agent and being in mm. front of the competition. Um, so I'd always liked that model. And in 2019, we were working with quite a large landlord-stroke developer who was converting big office spots into flats. And we had hundreds of you know, just about 150 units with them in different towns, Hull, um, Doncaster, Pontefract, places like that, and everything was going really well. But as their business grew and their problems grew, they, they started moving towards a consolidation model where they would have one agent who would cover everything and that agent wasn't gonna be us. So we were in a position where we were gonna lose 50% of our managed portfolio over the course of, you know, six to nine months. Um, so I was sort of in a situation where I was like, right, I'm going to lose a hell of a lot of money each month, but I'm going to gain a hell of a lot of time. What's the best way to reinvest that time into? Were the you business? tempted
0: to try and take that, and or, or because of the lessons you'd learned in the past, you thought actually let it go. It's not me.
1: Yeah. What the problem we had with when you were working with one client who has such a big percentage of your business is they call the shots. So, you, you know, you hear it a lot about people's visions and values. Like my, my values and my visions were completely different to theirs. So my business was almost being taken in a direction that somebody else wanted it to be taken into, and I didn't like that, and we didn't have control. Um, so it was an opportunity for me to kind of move away from that and regain control of my own business. I must have taken some balls to do. It killed me. I had four months of not eating. I lost two stone. Um, really bad anxiety, thinking, look, business is going under. I've already been through a situation where I nearly lost everything. Um, t- so I was just like, you know this isn't a good situation, this is going wrong. And I just decided that if I wanted to sort of replace it as quick as I could or save the business really to do property sourcing um, full time. And so I had my team, I said, look, you guys are looking after the portfolio we've got on our existing landlords. I'm gonna go off and get this sourcing thing going. And that was 2019. So between 2019 and today, um, we've become more of a property investment business. Mm-hmm. Um, we stopped doing estate agency s- typical sales in 2018, um, which is a story for another day. Um, well, we can talk about it now. Um, and yes, yeah, so I went full into sourcing. So now we do sourcing, um, any refurbs on properties we need to refurbish, and then lettings and management. Um, so I use that as a, as a really good way to meet new landlords, to fill our pipeline of future managed properties. Um, but also to take on better quality properties because what I'd found was in in uh, the Morrison Watts days I found a house for a guy refurbed it and then we put tenants in and it was a student house it was the first house we let that year we had absolutely brilliant rents It, it went straight away to some great tenants no hassles no maintenance so it was the easiest property that we had to manage bringing in quite a lot of money and the investor got great returns so overall the experience was so much better
0: well in a separate video we're going mm. to help the boys and girls out there in the state letting agency land on how to become a sourcing agent um, and i know you're going to give an awful lot away yeah um we could probably talk about the fact you got out of a state agency another time i don't think it's appropriate for this video yeah but basically through your ups and downs your trials and tribulations you've realized that you have self awareness of knowing what you 're good at, what you 're bad at, realizing that it 's all about delegation, having a great team, and doing something you 're passionate about and don 't let clients move your culture and values in a different direction. would you say you 're much happier now one
1: hundred percent i 'm so much happier now, and probably
0: because i and you can see if you don 't mind me saying because we 've known each other for yeah. eight, nine years if, if you 'd roll the clock back four or five years you're quite now you've seen a little bit more. Quite yeah, a lot it was
1: more. even even with the new business, it was up, down, up, down, and then it was kind of up, and now we're in control. Okay. I think that's the most important thing. And, it's and how
0: how's having a partner and a and a little one change your life?
1: Um, I mean, the kids are brilliant because they give you a reason to to sort of get up and go out every day, and you know they make me feel accomplished that I'm working hard to give them a good life. I also feel grateful that when we went through the real sort of difficult periods in, in my life I had the support of my partner but also it was just before the kids were I mean it was my daughter was like one or two, my son wasn't even born yet so it was out of the way early before they were you know more aware of it um, you know when I was younger I was single I was living in my house renting out the other rooms to people trying to develop a business while also partying a little bit too much, um, you know, enjoying life.
0: Well Sam, thank you for your time today. Um, I look forward to seeing you and hopefully in the years to come we can you can come back on the walking sofa. We'll see how you